Hi there, this is Michael Westra with Breaking the Systems of Control podcast. Come hang out with me as we explore and pursue true freedom, liberty, and the art of minding your own business. Welcome back to episode 10 of Breaking the Systems of Control podcast. So today we actually have an interview with Alex. I think you're going to actually really like Alex. He's a practicing agorist and specializes in video production. But before we start, let's get into the social media cringe of the week. So, the social media cringe of the week actually is something that I wanted to mention last week, but I never did. It's actually a tweet by John C. Liu. If you don't know who that is, it's because he doesn't matter. No, I'm kidding. He's a, a, a New York senator. So what John C. Liu said in reference to the riots at the Capitol building was seeing the Twin Towers crumble is no longer the scariest moment of my life. Oh my God. How can you be this? I, I, there's no words to describe this. How can you be this weird? So to me, there's, there's only three options of, of what could be possibly going wrong here. Either you are simply ignorant of the fact that nearly 3,000 people died during 9-11. 3,000 people died during 9-11. And you're daring to compare the two? So, so that's, that's one. So either you, it's just pure ignorance, or you are so caught up in this cult world that seeing something like the destruction of a precious holy building results in completely crumbling your entire world, which I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised. And the third possible option is that you are intentionally manipulating people's emotions to push your status political agenda whichever of the three it is it's wrong <laughs> i can tell you that anyway let's jump right into today's episode alex welcome to the podcast thank you for having me all right so let's start off by uh just introducing yourself who are you what do you do uh, what what's kind of the short story of your life well, right now, I feel like I'm um, rediscovering what life is or actually applying everything that I've learned over two decades since I'm a kid growing up in a family that questioned the world in which we live and the structures and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I was a regular kid going to school and just wanted to be with my friends. And then in the 20s, my 20s, I started doing cinema and video, and I had my own company, well, with two other associates to do, uh, we, we would do promotional videos for companies. And so that lasted for 10 years, but I didn't really feel like I'd, I was in love with what I was doing, and it was a few contracts here and there, being able to pay the bills, and then having a few side gigs for doing deliveries and stuff like that. 
Um, and then two years ago, I chose to go to Mexico in Acapulco to an Acapulco to, to actually see what it's like to hang out with anarchists, like, like a lot of anarchists. And that was pretty interesting. I met some interesting people there. And then that got me to stop the, the business, the video business in, in mm. Montreal. And uh, I went to Asia for a year and a half, Southeast Asia, mostly to just get inspired. And then this whole shit show happened in, in the spring. And then that was like a wake up call to actually get shit done and reorient myself towards solutions. And um, I didn't want to completely let go of video. I'm interested in learning about other things, but video is, I like reoriented it towards uh, trying to promote agorists and their products, services, and businesses. Oh, wow. So where are you currently living right now? What, what, uh, what country? I'm in Canada right now, um, which is where I was born. I'm in the province of Quebec. I'm one hour and a half south-ish from Montreal. Um, okay. I'm, I'm like 20 minutes from the U.S. border, Vermont. There are uh, the, the lockdown stuff pretty hardcore over there? At the moment, yeah. It, it, there's a curfew right now, and like at 8 p.m., you need to have a special paper. I did. The... I did see someone making some kind of um, live video um, over there uh, talking about the curfew, and he was carrying around his dog or something. He said that that was a way to get around the curfew or something. I don't. Is walking his dog or something a way to get around it? Yeah. But my dad jokes about it, but he said we could, we should uh, start a like dog renting business for people to be able to go outside <laughs> at night. So you said that, that you kind of alluded to you being an anarchist. Uh, can you kind of explain how you came to that conclusion? Yes. So, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, I come. I, I, I'm lucky enough to have grown up in a family that questioned um, what was supposed to be like standard belief. You know, just everyday life. There's a government, this and that, and so I, I got. What I'm saying is, I got to at a young age. I got question. I was able to question the world in which I was living in, and then you know, secret societies and stuff like that, David Icke. Um, and I believe it's my brother. I was in my 20s. My brother sent me a clip. It's Larkin Rose talking, and there's images of supporting what he's saying. And that's when anarchism became clear. Like, I knew the world wasn't fair. There's some, it was controlled and stuff, but... When I, I really, at that moment, I really understood what anarchism was. And then that's like an aha moment that, okay, anarchism, I'm an anarchist. I don't, I don't believe in rulers, period. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I didn't really come from a similar background. I, I actually grew up uh, with parents that were much more conservative leaning from the uh, 
the United States sense of uh, conservatism. And then I, I, just because I was raised that way, I considered myself a conservative because I didn't really know anything else. Then I started falling into libertarianism. And from libertarianism, from I, I started studying like Rothbard. And um, from there, it just kind of took me down a rabbit hole. And then I came to what I call libertarianism's logical conclusion, which is anarchism. But uh, so you also mentioned uh, agorism or agorism. What is agorism mean to you? Or what does agorism mean to you, I should say? Well, I... It's like anarchism in practice. Um, it's, it's about solutions. So, okay, you... We learn that we're anarchists, or it's the obvious conclusion. It's it's super simple once we get it, right? When anarchism becomes clear, like, oh shit, of course, it's obvious. But then what do you do? Um, and so I stumbled upon Konkin, Sam, Sam, Sam Konkin's yeah. writing. Yep. Because of Derek Konkin Brody, the third. Yeah, yep. Samuel mm -hmm. Edward Konkin the yep. third. Um, and... So that's where I, I first heard of the counter economy and um, how how we could bring about a, a better society, a, a freer society, and um, it, it makes sense to me. I think it's it's a it's one of the ways that we could, or I wouldn't say the only way, but to me it's it's a way that makes really a lot of sense to um, build the alternative instead of wanting to reform what's already there and trying to convince people with facts and logic at some point peop some people just don't it doesn't it doesn't yeah they don't get it and so if they're incentivized to go towards a freer society cuz they're being heavily regulated then that makes sense cuz they 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 go they go into freedom for practical purposes Right. And like, like you were saying, they, if you try to explain it logically, they just don't get it. And it's because they were kind of just raised in a way where they were brainwashed their entire life. So it makes sense. But then once you can show them that everybody's deep down an agorist, then you can kind of like flip that switch in their, their head that that light bulb lights up and they're like, whoa, OK, I didn't know that buying something and selling something on Facebook marketplace and not claiming it on my taxes could be agorism, but it is. It's uh, I, I just like to kind of say agorism is just all voluntary human interaction and it's kind of a society within a society, uh, mm -hmm. regardless of whether the state exists. Yeah. So I like that. Like, fuck them, you know, Let's try yep. to do our own thing, and yep. they might try to. Anyway, fuck them. Let's just try to do it. <laughs> All right. So, what what are you currently doing for work? Um, I know you do some work with video production. Can you kind of explain what that is and how that relates to agorism? Yeah. Um, 
So this is a new venture of mine to to really focus on agorists and trying to build the counter economy. So I'm trying to to it's a working progress. I'm trying to work with the first agorists that are going to come to me wanting to to me to help them or it's in this a discovery phase mm-hmm. so to speak because i want to figure out how to promote agorists without being too exposed as agorists you know so right. how, how do we go about that and that's why like my services are going to be relatively cheap in the beginning because it's going to be a, a learning process and so um basically if someone comes up to me and he she has a product that uh, wants to promote, um, and I'm in Canada, and they're in the southern U.S., for example. Okay, so what what do we do? You have that product, you see the um, the interest in using video as a promo- promotional tool, and so we're gonna figure out what the what the equip what is the equipment they have, how to maximize the like if it's a cell phone, then we're gonna figure out how, how that cell phone works and how to get the best quality out of it. And then I'm going to brief the, the person um, as best as I can. We're going to write a storyboard and script. So when they shoot, they're going to be alone without me because I'm not there physically. And then they're going to send back the footage and I'm going to edit it. So it's three phases, pre-production, production, and post-production. And a lot will be done in pre-production. So that the person is going feels confident in actually shooting it um, without me being there. Okay. So, have you considered doing any courses? Courses? I haven't. Nope. Not yet. Okay. It could yeah, be. That, a, I think that'd be a, be a pretty cool idea. But um, if you start doing courses, obviously that that may take away from. Um, returning customers from from your other services but it may not I, I don't really know the industry all that well so yeah i'm uh, really i'm really open to learning as i go and to have input and see what works best you know it's it, it i'm for now it's not all about the money i really want to build the counter economy so i, I want to give some of my time to figure things out with other people. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely have to, we'll we'll definitely have to stay in contact after this interview because I've been thinking about creating a good intro segment to my, uh, my podcast because I I now am posting videos on Odyssey, BitChute and YouTube. So I feel like if I had a good uh, high quality intro that it would uh, possibly bring more returning people. So, yeah, I, and that's another point. You know, nowadays we like we accept lower quality. Like we don't expect Hollywood or high quality, uh, like studio quality for video. But if we can like create something that is well done, well, it makes you stand out from the thousands of other people that are doing like podcasts or whatever, you know, you right. got that little edge that, Oh shit. Okay. There's something solid to, 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 to hit podcast or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that that's key. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know if you hear the, the baby crying. Yeah, I don't mind. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I do think you're right there with uh, video quality. I think whenever I stumble upon a, a higher quality video production, it just gives me a feeling that they are taking what they're doing much more serious and it it just makes me it, it just gives me a feeling that it's much more professional and that they are uh, more serious about what they're doing yeah it, you it you have more confidence in in that content creator or whatever cuz they're they're putting in the effort to right. offer you something good of quality yeah so what at the moment what what kind of payment options are you taking as a agorist well the, today my answer would be uh precious metals and crypto okay that's or, awesome or yeah yeah so what what kind of cryptocurrencies do you take and or and use uh I'm only holding right now, and it's, it's a very few because I'm I'm learning, and I don't want to be spread all over the place. And for me, crypto it's a slow learning process because it's mm-hmm. so freaking huge of a space, and I'm trying to not be pulled by emotion and whatever. And okay, I need to put it all in this one or what. Mm-hmm. But I do like Bitcoin for now, um, as a store of value, I guess. I I would prioritize accepting Bitcoin, but hey, I'm open to pretty much all of them as long as I can convert them in other cryptos that I would use more. Yeah. I'm still figuring that out, but uh, yeah. Do you use any privacy coins? I've heard about them, but I, I haven't. I'm not at the level of transacting yet. Okay. Yeah. yeah. For now, I, I the other work that I have is is well, yeah. I'll just give it at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, essentially, uh, Bitcoin. Even though there's a misconception around it that it's some kind of private uh, transaction, Bitcoin is actually very, very transparent, and it's it's very easily tracked. So uh, these these privacy coins essentially create a solution to that. And I, I'm not an expert on cryptocurrency, so I can't go into uh, all the details on how they work. But um, essentially, from my understanding, is that you, you, you would take your Bitcoin and then you would purchase the privacy uh, cryptocurrency with your Bitcoin. And then... From there, it it gets scrambled, mm. and once you send it out to uh, another person, it does another scrambling where everything gets. Um, I I don't know exactly how it works. I think it it gets transferred to like like a bunch of different uh, addresses, and then finally it makes it to the last address. So it's completely untraceable, and if anyone had their doubts on on how uh, private they actually are 
I've been talking about this in multiple different episodes, but uh, there's one called Monero and the IRS has actually been trying to crack Monero for, I think five years now. And they're getting so desperate that they reached out to the private market and they said, anybody who can crack Monero, they will give them (laughs) $650,000. Okay. So if that doesn't tell you how private they are, I don't know what does, but, um, there's another one called Pirate Chain, and I'm yeah. actually having Draith from Private uh, Draith from Pirate Chain on next weekend, and he's one of the head marketing guys, so he's going to be talking uh, some of the details about Pirate Chain. Okay, that's interesting, and I'm open to these options as well for sure. I see the yeah. value in that. Yeah, they're pretty easy to use, actually. I mean, especially Monero. Um, Pirate Chain has a little bit more of a learning curve, but Monero, essentially, um, if you use, like, the wallet called Exodus Wallet, yeah, uh, pretty much all you, you do is you would send your Bitcoin to that Exodus Wallet, and then you can actually use their built-in exchange and exchange it straight for Monero. And from there, I mean, you can do what you want with it. It's your private keys at that point, but you can send it off to another wallet if you really want it to be secure. Yeah. So you are marketing mostly to other agorists, correct? Yeah. Okay. So why why do you think something like that is important rather than trying to reach out to other people who could potentially be agorists or I should say people who consider themselves agorists because I, I mean, obviously we can explain to people why everybody is an agorist, but um, I'm guessing you, you're saying you, you mostly uh, advertise out to other people who consider themselves agorists. So why do you believe that's, more important than reaching out to the general public? Well, I've, I've worked with the, the general public for 10 years, more or less, with my uh, company, video company back in Montreal. Um, and I haven't seen much of promotion for agorists. You know, there's a site like market.com Agorist, um, that's interesting, and there's probably other options too, like your MeWe page. Um, but it's still, it's there's missing this promotional promotional content missing. Like I I really I would really like to see video ads or video promotion from Agorist that they're offering a product to other Agorists, and it would. I don't know how to say this, but it it would just make it better instead of like hiding or I guess agorism strength is on a local level, but there's a lot of international um, business between agorists. So why not? Yeah, it's simple. Why not promote 
yeah, products, yeah. services, or businesses via video. Video is everywhere. Why not use that tool as the growth? Right. Because strengthening our communication as agorists eventually will lead to more people coming into our space. Exactly. If they see if they see agorists thriving in a pretty shitty situation, then I think that's going to get people thinking and they're going to look into it and they're going to see promotions, promotional videos or whatever for, for Agoras. And that's how they're going to gravitate towards Agorism, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of like the idea of leading by example. There you go. Yeah. So besides your video production, is there any other kind of uh, Agoras practices that you do? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I try to keep it, the work I do, I try to keep it um, as agorist as I can. So, but right now I'm, I'm, I'm learning a lot. I came back from Asia because um, I felt this is, for now, this is why I wanted to build the counter economy. This is where I had more uh, people surrounding me that were ready to, to do the work also. And so now... I'm moving towards self-sufficiency and to be self-sufficient, we need to be able to do many things without having to contract many people for everything, you know? So, um, right. Building those skill sets. There you go. Yeah. So I, I'm putting a lot of time and effort in that. So what kind of things have you been learning and, and doing in the process of becoming more self-sufficient and self-reliant? Um, I learned how to use a chainsaw this past uh, fall and that's a freaking powerful tool and i think um especially in cold well we need wood to build our houses but you know in like canada's pretty cold and so we need wood to heat the house and stuff and i mm -hmm. think it's just a good thing to to know how to do and then through that that got me to learn about trees and trees and then the plants that we have in our forest and like we have a pharmacy in our forests, you know, and we know not even 1% of what's going on there. And I think there's a lot to learn from the forest. And so from the forest, I'm learning about food and how to grow food. And, and you know, it, the ball just keeps rolling yeah. towards self-sufficiency. Yeah, I've been learning a lot of these things as well. The I, That's one thing I do want to start learning is um, being able to just go into the the woods and and find these herbal rem remedies and and food that's all around us and i think there's a, a lot of education behind that i think it's just the matter of practicing it and just doing it and uh, eventually you just start to pick up on things you'll you'll be walking through the woods and you can just point something out and be like oh i i know what that is um, yeah exactly and like it's so abundant there's a lot in a forest and it's free. And I think with that comes a respect for the forest, not just taking, 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 but learning about how it works and then being intelligent on how we, we forage and how we, we cut down a tree if we really need to cut down the tree. And it's, it's, it's all about being more aware. You know, I think yeah. life should be about being more aware, whatever subject it is. 
I think that is one of the issues that uh, human beings have come into is that we have shut out nature. We, we kind of shut out our natural human state and we've, we've moved so far away from it that it's kind of messing with our heads and we, we just need to get back in touch with our, our natural human state and just start doing these things like getting out in the woods and gardening and it's just good for your mental health in general. Yeah. Cause I think with that, with the understanding of the nature and the forest and gardening, there comes a sense of security that we long for, but we, we look for it in weird ways, like through people, through getting a lot of money or owning things or uh, relationships, chocolate, whatever, you know, we, we, we believe that security, that sense of security and, ah, going to be soothed with these things that aren't going to soothe us and so as we get closer to nature what we truly are that i think there's a sense of a deep sense of security that comes from that and then we can move towards thriving and building a, a better world right and i i think everybody should actually at some point be producing at least some of their own food supply um I, I think it's easy for pretty much anybody to start gardening. I mean, people can even grow um, herbs and stuff on their windowsill. I mean, if if you live in an apartment building and you you're not capable of having a full garden, you can you can still do something. Yeah. Um, what? So I'm assuming do you, do you have a garden? I mean, obviously not right right now outside, but because <laughs> <laughs> although you apparently we can have some sort of a garden in wintertime uh with greenhouses and stuff yeah or even like small setups for greens i i, I need to look into it but i uh, i think it's it's doable but yeah. green greenhouses would be perfect like there's people north of montreal since the 60s they've been they've, they've had pineapple mangoes oranges wow it's freaking great yeah, i'm curious what what they're doing to do that. I, I know it's possible, but I I would have thought because I, I live in Michigan in, in the States and uh Michigan's actually quite cold and we yeah. we we get some pretty harsh winters as well. But um yeah I'd be curious what, what people are doing because I, I would have thought that it would take a lot of uh, utilities to be able to keep that running and at, I always thought like at that point if I'm paying all this kind of utilities to keep it heated and stuff is it even worth it it's a good point i think with the technologies that we have available right now i think it's a lot it's very energy consuming um but i believe the people that are up north montreal they, they, they had an incentive to do that there was a market for that like um and so i think as we move forward technologies are going to simplify that for like you and I that live right. in cold weathers. We, we might be able to have greenhouses in a very efficient way and grow different things um, that doesn't like fruits or whatever that don't grow here usually. But at the same time, I think it's good to be in contact with whatever nature provides in our, our area, you know, because right. energetically we're in tune with that area. So I think it's it's more it's more nutrients to to get out of 
whatever's there already. Right. And but it's, yeah. I, I usually don't, I'm not the kind of person to ever tell someone how to live their life, but I, I think people who are like deep in some of these inner cities that literally to, to get out somewhere in nature, it's like a three hour drive. I, I think those kind of people just need to, to get out because I feel like those kind of environments were created to kind of con- keep that control over us and keep us reliant on the systems around us. And it, it's, it's a miserable life. I think, I think life would be, a lot different if people just start embracing that natural side of themselves. Yeah, because it's natural, right? And yeah. Have you? Ever, there's a good movie. I think it's called My Dinner with Andre. And the they're they're in no. the, the whole movie is like one scene in a in a diner, and they they the conversation goes towards that, talking about New York and how humans have built their own prisons and they have their own security prison guards like roaming around their prison and that's what a city is right it's 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 not natural i don't that's my opinion maybe some people still love the city even today but i agree with you it's my sense is that it's so far from being natural that you have to disconnect something inside to be able to to live in the city. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't see, I mean, even for me, like once in a while going into the city may be fun, but I, I couldn't live there. Um, I think the, the best way for people to do this is kind of like, uh, towns used to be, um, where there would be kind of on the outskirts, a bunch of, uh, landowners where they, that's where they had their homesteads and their land. And then they had kind of a, a little town that they would gather in, uh, by nightfall or in, in the, uh, evening time or on the weekends where there would be, there's all like the little small shops and stuff and kind of like a little town gathering area. I think that's a more natural way of living and, and people need to start embracing that kind of life. I think some a lot some are actually starting to think about that and it's the agora, right? Everybody right. has their own homestead and then they we meet in the agora. Mhm. Yeah, I, and I think a lot of people are are starting to embrace this because they see the natural destruction of this kind of life and especially with a lot of um kind of um the these the rioting that has been going on and and it's just not an ideal place to live i mean essentially when you live in a a congested area like that you're living under mob rule and and you're basing your your peace off of what the whole mob is going to do and uh, rather than living in your own little area where you're just basing your piece off of what you choose to do. I'm trying to think of the quote, but mob ran tyranny is more oppressive than a tyrannical government or something along those lines, Mm -hmm. because there's much more 
direct impact to your life from mob ran oppression. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, when, when you kind of look at the kind of control and impact a mob can have, that can also give us some sort of encouragement, I believe, because, (laughs) because then you can see that really the only reason why the state itself itself, uh, exists is because collectively as a mob, we accept that it exists. If we all collectively just say, uh, decide to not acknowledge the state's existence, well then it doesn't exist anymore. Exactly. So I think mob rule, um, can be very destructive, but it can also be, it can be a good thing in a sense, if you look at it in, in terms of, um, anarchy where, where it's not destructive anarchy, where it's just opting out And, and essentially that wouldn't be ruling that because obviously we don't believe in rulers, but it would just be collectively not, not acknowledging the state's existence. And I, I think a lot of agorists need to start thinking about these kind of things. And I think the, this is the key. And I, I think, I think that's the whole thing behind agorism is that it, it's just a way to, naturally opt out together and i I think that's the only way we're going to be able to reach true freedom because obviously trying to do it through government isn't working because when you try to do it through government it involves a lot of compromise Mm -hmm. but the problem is with every compromise the more towards tyranny that we move and the more towards control that we move so essentially when you have these kind of libertarian uh, leaning uh, politicians going in they're the only thing they're doing is uh, essentially holding back the full potential of the state just a little bit, just a tiny bit, but it's still inching its way towards total control. So it's just essentially slowing down the inevitable. It seems to be a hard thing to let go of for many people the belief in authority that just a little bit should do you know but it's so simple but it seems to be a quite a leap for some people to really embrace freedom because it comes with responsibility right right a lot of responsibility and i I think there's always a huge misconception because although we we don't believe in rulers um, when it comes to leaders and, and natural authority, we, we kind of just naturally embrace these things just because it's part of our natural human state. It's, it's, but it's all voluntary. It's all voluntary interaction. So like a quick example would be the, um, the natural authority of parents over their children. So there, there's kind of these natural interactions where, as an anarchist, I wouldn't say, well, a parent shouldn't have authority over their child. I would say, well, that's just how humans naturally interact. So when it comes to agorism and anarchism, I, I would say that 
there is still some leadership and authority, but it's all natural, uh, based on natural human interaction, and, and it's all voluntary. Yeah, well, I think these, it's, the questioning should never stop, you know. How, like, it, I don't have children, but I've, I've been listening to some people that talk about unschooling and having a different dialogue with their children instead of enforcing things on them is to have a conversation and then show them how to be a good decent human being and learn about boundaries natural boundaries instead of enforcing rules and because once the parent's gone they're gonna like humans are anarchists right they're gonna embrace freedom and they're gonna do things that they couldn't do if the parent was watching them or whatever you know so I think we need to question everything, parenting, um, politics or whatever, government, like the way we do business, the way we organize together. Um, it's a pretty big task, but I think the answer is always pretty simple. It's, it's right. voluntary interactions. Right. I, I think even like you're saying, questioning everything, it, it's almost like a lot of these philosophies that we've come up with and that uh, that we kind of implement in our day-to-day -day life were actually designed to to keep us where we're at and keep control over our lives because we just accept that this is how they are um, I I haven't done a whole lot of research on unschooling but um, I get the idea and I I'm sympathetic to it I think when my children start to grow up, I, I'm going to do a hybrid between like an unschooling and a, um, just a standard, uh, homeschooling course. Yeah. As long as you're open to learning through yeah. in, in the process, I think that's, that's, um, intelligent. Yeah. Cause I, I think there are situations where, um, establishing that authority over your child is necessary, but I don't think it's as necessary as most are led to believe. Uh, and I think a child, even, even though that they're, they're a child and they're still learning, they can still show you and, and, and give you hints as to what they want to learn and wh where they want to go in life. And as parents, we, we should allow them to explore that because, they should be in control of their own destiny. Yeah, we're. I think as parents, humans are facilitators. You know. Yeah. It, a lot of this is so hard for me to embrace because I've been taught the complete opposite. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I know. It, sometimes I find myself falling into that trap of just believing what I was taught. But I I know that from just becoming an anarchist, the way I was able to perceive the world, I had to open up my mind to other alternatives. And I, I think that we should always be doing that in every aspect of life, like you were just saying. Yeah, I think a good question to keep um, asking ourselves is, why do I believe this or why do I believe that? And just right. let, let the mind go and then observe what's going on. One, one thing that I encourage my, my listeners to do is if, if you're told something um, as factual or truthful, always play devil's advocate with it. Just go, play the other side. Try to 
research, try to prove it wrong first. I mean, do everything you can to prove it wrong. And once you find the answers that prove it wrong, then you can go back and say, okay, well, do I have an answer to debate this aspect of it after, after finding what the counter arguments would be? Because then you can kind of see both sides of it. Sometimes it's not that simple because sometimes there's not just a couple sides to it. There's, there's countless sides, but I, I think at least challenging the norms is a good thing. But uh, to, to a certain extent, I think there's sometimes where it can become dangerous and toxic to our lives where we, we just naturally just expect everything to be not what it is. So then we are trying to embrace something that may not be true just because we want to embrace change. And, and so then we're embracing things that may not even be within our principles, but, but it's different. It's, it's, it doesn't abide by the social norms. So, so we decide to just embrace it just for that reason. And I, I think that would be the wrong reason. I think there's a balance where you have to use some logic and common sense to be able to decipher what these truths actually are. Mm-hmm. It's about being honest and aware right. as much as we can. Because you don't want to fall into what they call the, the woke movement. <laughs> yeah. So is there anything else you wanted to talk about and wanted to add? Um, anything that you're doing? Any any advice to people? Um, well, to go back to video, my approach is not the standard approach. I, I like humor, and I think agorists are people who are on the fringes of society. So why not promote our services and products in a manner that resembles that. So I like to do it in a way that that is fresh. There's freshness to promoting one's business and to get people to just at least enjoy the process of watching the video. Even if they don't buy the product or whatever, they enjoy the the container of the promotion. It's awesome. And I would I would say uh, to add to that is that agorists start need to start embracing these technologies that we have to be able to essentially uh, connect with other agorists and spread agorism yeah and i think education too offering some a little bit of education while we promote is always good because you give something to people instead of just promoting and saying buy this or whatever offer something for free to just get people thinking or whatever and make them laugh or, you know, just think outside the box. Oh, oh, by the way, uh, I was going to ask you, do you, have you ever heard of permaculture? Yes. I'm, I'm starting to get into that. I'm, okay. Cause I, I because it. our conversation before it kind of came to my mind, I forgot to mention it, but I was going to uh, say that if you haven't looked into it, that you should. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. I think everybody awesome. should like, uh, yeah. Jack Spierko on his channel, there's a two-hour, 30-minute presentation from Mark Shepard. I highly yeah. recommend that presentation. That one just like, you know, when you, you understand anarchism for the first time, and that's yeah. why I said, oh, fuck, okay, permaculture. It, 
that's the way to go. It's so yeah, often. I, I think permaculture kind of has a solution for many of our world problems. Yeah. And, and it revolves around not just the way we see food and, and the way our systems work together, but even just our mindset of how life should be. And I, I, I think a lot of people need to start learning about permaculture. I, I haven't studied it a lot myself, but I, I do plan on uh, possibly taking a course in the future. And I, I'm, I would love to start practicing it. I, I have a small one acre lot, but there's a lot I could do on a oh, one yeah. acre lot. So you, I think we just need to start observing and then trying things while we get, we educate ourselves, but just participate. Look, what, what is nature doing? How can I help it do better? And then I think video or agorists and anarchists that are doing permaculture that could be educational or like fun to watch that I think that could help the cause. Lot. Yeah, yeah, because I, I have noticed that a lot of the videos on permaculture are very, I don't know, early 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? They're, they're just very poor video production. I mean, they give good, they're good talkers. They give good presentations, but I feel like uh, the quality of video could change a lot. It could bring more people more uh, sympathetic to the the permaculture movement. Yeah. But it's all about how you tell your story. Also. Yeah. So are there any uh, links to uh, any websites that you have, uh, your social media that you want to mention? Uh, I'm building all that. So I could let you know later on. You can put it in the show notes. Show notes. But yeah. For now, I'm on MeWe. Um, and I... My email address, also Proton Mail address for now, and so people can come and see me there. And I have my portfolio also on on Behance.net/slash Point. so I could send you all that if awesome. people want to see my past work. Yeah, yeah, send me all those those links, and I'll I'll get them up there. But uh, yeah, this was an awesome conversation, and it, it turns out that we agree on much more than I expected we would, and. Um, I, I actually didn't know that you came from um, uh, listening to Jack Spierko and the Survival Podcast. I'm also a Survival Podcast listener, and that that must be how you found that uh, cryptocurrency barter uh, group. Yeah, that's how I okay. unloose the goose. Actually, unloose the goose. Yeah, okay. I think that's a good thing they're doing. Yeah, yeah, I, I think what they're doing is awesome, but I. I we do actually have a lot of people that join that the uh, barter and cryptocurrency group uh, just from searching agorism and really yeah yeah That's because awesome. I I made sure that in my the the group's description I talked about agorism and so we we have people that um, when they're filling out the form to enter the group and it said how did you hear about the group they said by searching agorism on MeWe. I'm like, oh, that's that's awesome. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to put that word out into the world, especially where where I live in. You know, there's a lot of people like questioning, like, what the fuck is going on? Can we get organized differently before it's too late? And so I try to talk about agorism and what it's all about. And so, oh, shit, yeah, that 
that makes sense. So I think we need to use these words too, yeah, like voluntarism, I, agorism, and stuff like that. I think Jack Spierko and, and Unloose the Goose have really, just in the last six months, have made the movements starting to explode. And I think a lot of it comes back to them. And I think they're they're causing a, a big movement, and it's it's awesome to see. Yeah. All right, but uh, I will put those links in the show notes. This was a great conversation. Maybe we'll have you on in the future when we can talk about uh, new new things that you got going on, new things that you're doing. Um, yeah, th- thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it. It was nice talking. Yeah, I was glad to have you, Alex. All right, Alex. Well, it was good talking to you. We'll, yeah. we'll stay in contact. Thanks, Mike. All right, that's all I have for you today. For those of you watching the video version of the podcast, this is my dog, Sadie. (laughs) All right, but if you want to stay in contact with me, you can follow me on MeWe and Float. Those are going to be, I think those are going to be the main social medias I'm going to be focusing on now. You can watch me on Odyssey and BitChute. All these links I'm going to link in the show notes. If you want to sign up for my email list, you can go on www.breakingthesystems.com and scroll to the bottom of the page and there is a sign up link. If you want another way of staying up to date, you can also sign up for my Telegram channel. On that website that I just mentioned, you can actually listen to every episode of the podcast right there. And there is a subscribe button for whichever podcast catcher you are using. That's all I have for you though. And we will see you next time with the next interview.